my name is Rula Jessica and I am here to remind you that you don't need to look for love because you already are love. If you don't know what I'm talking about, keep listening to Lessons from Love Addiction. So the idea for this episode came to me when I was thinking about advertising and the media and just consumer culture and everything that we ingest spiritually, physically, literally, mentally on a daily basis and how hard it is for us as love addicts to really stay focused on our recovery when we are constantly surrounded by things that reinforce our sense of aloneness, that reinforce our sense of separateness, that reinforce our codependent tendencies. Let's get into it. I want to preface this by saying one of my favorite movies in life is Titanic, right? The one with Leonardo DiCaprio. I don't know if there has been another one since because I just don't keep up with like media, movies, all this stuff like I used to. But like the classic, iconic Kate Winslet, Leonardo DiCaprio, James Cameron, Titanic from I think it was like 1997. So anyone, when that movie first came out, I was like seven or eight. So my parents wouldn't let me see it because it was pg-13 i believe and uh you know there's nudity and all these different things in it and um (laughs) i remember when it had first come out all the kids whose parents had let them see it were talking about it and discussing it and i felt left out and i really 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 wanted to see it just because everyone was talking about it so i eventually sneakily rented it like years later from the like blockbuster because there were like blockbusters around then and if you're not uh, american audience blockbusters were like the central movie rental location in the u.s when i was growing up before netflix yeah i rented it like secretly and i watched it and i remember being so entranced by this love story between jack and rose i would live to see them on screen together and like kissing and the romantic scenes and when he's drawing her and my absolute favorite emotional pull was at the end when she was like old and he was dead and she is like dreaming of their what could have been like she's she's remembering them when they were young and in love and like thinking of herself imagining fantasizing or dreaming whatever it was of herself and him walking down the aisle on the titanic and everyone's clapping and cheering for them and i remember watching this and i would rewind that scene specifically because it would touch me so deeply and i would cry and cry and cry and just like feel and be like oh my god this is so tragic and like really live this experience emotionally with her as i'm watching this on screen and just like bask in this like longing and this tragedy and it was just this feeling that was so delicious to me even though it wasn't the best it was just like this emotional pull this emotional hold that this movie had over me fast forward 20 years later and it makes absolute perfect sense when i figure out that i'm a love addict you know Yeah, and even between that, like, when I think of the music I would listen to, like, I was absolutely obsessed with Avril Lavigne, and, like, a lot of her music is very love and love lost and romance and betrayal and this just emotional pull towards longing and limerence and feeling of being addicted to another person. And it's like we hear over and over again that sex sells, right, in advertising. And it does. I mean, it's been proven time and time again because as humans, 
humans, we we are mentally attracted to anything that has to do with reproduction or danger, right? So we're always going to have one antenna raise up metaphorically for something that's violent or something that's sexual. That's just human nature. So sex and violence is always going to attract our attention. So in that vein it would make sense why they would use sex to sell you know products sex does sell but then when you think of romance and you think of the seed that has been planted in us since we're babies like in the society basically because it's in everything it's not just in music it's not just in movies i mean honestly i love these stories that we've grown up with just as much as the next person but look no further than disney i mean these are some of the earliest stories that we've been exposed to in regards to romance right and lately for example what's been happening with the snow white reboot i've seen like these interviews with rachel ziegler and how she's talking about she's like this actress that they've cast for the uh, live action version of snow white that's been quite polarizing because a lot of people are saying that it's like glorifying the woke agenda and trying to change the original a little too much to fit in with contemporary societal norms and okay my honest opinion is when i see interviews with her i think that she personally is like insufferable and if you aren't sure what i'm talking about with this whole situation basically the starlet that was supposed to play snow white in the snow white reboot was interviewed about how this version of Snow White differs from the original Disney animation and she said well this time she's not looking for true love she is trying to be the leader that she knows she can be and I mean that's great and it's cool that we have a different narrative available now for a story that really was steeped in problematic messages such as you don't really need to save yourself you know your prince is coming as long as you're beautiful then everything will work out so it's good that we're changing the narrative for the specific story i believe although she could have spoken about it in a different way and not just completely come across as if she's trashing the original that was so loved by so many people but i digress and i mean that's only one of many well-known fairy tales or disney movies or one of these classic stories that we've grown up with that supports these disempowering narratives i mean think of cinderella it's like she danced with this dude all night at the ball lost her shoe He's obsessed with her, looking for her. It's like, why? Why? Did he know her? Did he actually take the time? Or is this like some superficial attraction? And then what does that tell us? That chemistry and hanging out with someone once for a few hours is enough to determine whether you have compatibility for something substantial. And I mean, okay, it's a little bit nitpicky to go back through all of these stories and dismantle them and pick apart all the disempowering messages but we really do have to look at what these stories have raised us to believe and how these ideas have actually seeped into our own 
relationships and what we think about partnership because it really does have an effect whether we realize it or not the things that we feed our mind the stories that we feed our mind have an effect on what we expect from reality it sort of sets the standard subconsciously it's in cartoons it's in books it's in poems it's this idea that there is this person that completes us there is something that we should be searching for in this life that makes us feel complete and if we don't have it we are incomplete and this thing that will make us feel whole is found in another person or multiple people you know if you're poly or whatever but it's like this pervasive idea in society that in order to be completely happy and fulfilled we need to have a romantic partner is so destructive and not only is it destructive for our self-esteem in general not even just us love addicts but like generally it's a bad idea to program people to constantly search for something outside of themselves on a spiritual level but on a physical level that is a marketer's dream right because if they can program us into thinking that we are incomplete they can market all these different products and services that can give us this false sense of wholeness it's a marketer's and a consumer's capitalist society's dream to have a population and society that feels unfulfilled and broken but from a spiritual perspective it's dangerous and not only is it dangerous it's destructive and it's detrimental to our relationship if we're subconsciously taught to constantly be on the lookout for this one person that is going to complete us and make us whole because we're incomplete without them and we cannot experience all-encompassing happiness and joy if we haven't found this person what is that programming first of all to feel incomplete and second of all even if we do find this ever elusive soulmate person one person that's supposed to fulfill our every need and make us whole and happy and fulfilled how dangerous is that and how much pressure are we putting on this fucking person person right no one person can be everything for anyone at all times so it's like we are setting each other up for failure in relationships by even programming ourselves that this one person is going to fulfill every need because it's like even if we find a person that fulfills 99.999 percent of our needs which is also impossible i mean come on let's be real we're still falling victim to this false narrative of oh but you know my actual person would be a hundred percent so it's like we're not satisfied with what we have when we're single we're not satisfied with what we have when we're in a relationship and we're constantly yearning and looking for things that will give us this ever elusive sense of wholeness but it's like once we've done the introspection once we've really looked at our emotions once we've met our inner child once we've come to terms with our ego and we see that this little missing piece that we're looking for in another person is actually within ourselves and we've been neglecting it then we stop this search we stop this looking we stop this romanticization of relationships and of partnership and we just see it more as a complement to the relationship that we have established with ourselves when we are existing in the world from a place of wholeness when we're showing up in situations as someone that feels whole within themselves, that's a totally different energy that we are emanating as a person rather than someone who subconsciously feels as if there is something missing 
from them, that there's something missing in their life. That is a totally, completely different energy. There's a different dynamic between two people that have different characteristics that complement each other and work well together. And it's a different dynamic when two people are together because they feel like they're not enough by being alone, by being themselves. I've actually been a witness to this uh, shift in my own energy and how people react to it. In my early recovery, when I was single, when I was doing the work, when I was introspecting and I had absolute zero interest in any romantic attention whatsoever. So, you know, I wasn't dressing in certain ways that I knew would get me attention. I wasn't really making eye contact with people in public. My aura was kind of like closed, if that makes sense, was not open to interaction. And I could sense that after I had found that sense of wholeness within myself and I had tapped into that abundance and that inherent worth that I had found inside myself when I had uncovered all of these layers of shame and emotional addiction, I could literally feel more eyes on me. I could sense that I was getting more attention, even though I wasn't even looking for it. I wasn't asking for it. Like I would notice that more people would notice me, even though I wasn't even putting myself out there like that. And I could tell it's just because when you walk into a room with a sense of wholeness, vibes don't lie. People lie all the time, constantly. But vibration does not lie energy does not lie it's like i could sense people and feel people turning their heads when i enter the room or like following me with their eyes and i'm just like yo like this is like a huge difference and it's a huge difference even from back when i was completely unaware that i was a love addict and i would constantly be on the search for romantic conquest or attention and i would intentionally put myself out there like that you know to get that kind of romantic attention to be attractive to put myself in situations where you know potentially other single people could be my point is that even by trying because my energy was from a place of lack when I would try to get people to notice me versus when I didn't care about whether they're noticing me or not elicits such a different reaction from people it's crazy yeah and you'll see that for yourself And that's when I finally understood what I had heard for so many years that the most attractive thing about a person is confidence. So once you have that confidence that you have your own back and you're good on your own by yourself with yourself and you don't have that energy of like searching, needing, longing, wanting, you become so much more attractive. And the irony is that you don't care as much anymore about being attractive is when you become the most attractive to everyone around you it's funny but you'll see once you do the work it's almost like you become like a magnet for better or worse without even having to try like straight up i'd be watching like all these like dark feminine seduce him tips online pre-recovery and you know be like doing my makeup doing my hair dressing in these little skirts going out for like just like a coffee run like oh my god did anyone notice me like trying so hard and then during recovery after realizing i'm a love addict i'll be out in like literally something four times too big for me hood on no makeup hair undone and i'll have people 
asking me like hey where are you from what are you doing where are you go when you're not looking for it exhausting like sir this is a mcdonald's i'm just here to get my big mac sorry i'm not sorry thank you no thank you have a great day and it's so funny because i was in such like a torrid love affair with myself that i didn't want anything to come in and mess up this relationship that i had established with myself i didn't want anything to come up and shake this core of peace that I'd finally found inside of myself that I'd been searching for in another. I was terrified. I'd be reading horoscopes and they're like, you're going to meet someone this week. I'd be like, nope, I stopped reading. I'm like, I don't want to meet anyone. I'd be reading like something else. It's like, get ready for like an erotic encounter because, you know, Mars is squaring Libra. And I'm like, no, thank you, universe, please. No erotic encounters for me this month. Like, I'm good for once. So like, it could be really hard to detach ourselves from this pervasive culture of romance, of sex, of the constant pursuit of this next hit of dopamine or this next hit of a person that's gonna make me feel high. It could be really hard, especially when we are trying to get to know ourselves and trying to re-regulate our nervous system and try to break these patterns that have been destructive and have been keeping us in these cycles that we're trying to get out of. It could be really, really, really difficult. And it reminds me of this Native American proverb where there was this grandpa and he was talking to his grandson and he was describing this internal battle that he goes through with these two wolves inside of him, a black wolf and a white wolf, and they're constantly battling inside of him. And the grandson asked him, he's like, grandpa, which wolf wins? And the grandpa's like, well, the one that you feed, of course, that's the wolf that gets stronger and wins. And it reminds me of the situation with our love addiction in this culture of instant gratification because we need to be really careful, especially during recovery, what we are feeding, which wolf we are feeding. Are we feeding the codependent wolf that's telling us that we are complete, that's telling us that we are not enough by listening to these songs about longing and these songs about breakups and these songs that remind us of people that hurt us and can even cause us to romanticize certain situations in our life that were really painful and make them seem less painful? Are we feeding the wolf that tells us that we need to download a bunch of dating apps and start swiping to get some kind of validation that we can't find inside of ourselves? Is that the wolf we're feeding today? Or are we feeding the wolf that empowers us and tells us that we are inherently worthy and inherently whole and that our divine birthright is to experience a love that is greater than anything we can even perceive right now? And if you've heard other episodes before, I have mentioned Taylor Swift, right? And I wouldn't call myself a Swifty per se, but I do like a lot of her music. I think she's a fantastic lyricist. And I remember when All Too Well came out, like the 10 minute version. And if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, it's like there's like this whole like lore behind this song with her relation it's like about her relationship with jake gyllenhaal and how like it was like one of her first really serious relationships and he hurt her and he dumped her and i don't know what and it's just this song about like longing and remembering the good times in a relationship even after it's turned bad and you know and i remember i was listening to that 10 minute version of all too well when it came out on repeat for like weeks and just languishing and i mean i know no breakup is exactly the same like i can't relate to 
the exact experience that she's describing in that song but i have been through something similar and it would remind me of that and i'd be like emotionally connecting my experience to like the experiences that she's describing in these lyrics and like reliving this and over and over and i'm just like i caught myself and i'm like what am i doing like this doesn't feel good like i'm not being present i'm actually keeping myself trapped in the past emotionally through this song this is not good this is not making me feel good and then that's when it was like around that time that i had made the switch from listening to music like that to listening to like more instrumental stuff just because i had noticed how much music would affect my emotions or even a lot of the people that i would follow online like on instagram or different blogs that i would read when it would be about manipulation or like dating or heartbreak i would really notice how this type of media made me feel and if it didn't make me feel good i would slowly start unfollowing slowly start deleting certain songs or albums off my playlist and i would eventually start adding more and more things that would make me feel good my taste in itself started shifting and i started discovering new artists i started discovering new creators and it's a really interesting time and my point in saying all of this is that our diet isn't just you know what we eat obviously or what we drink it's also what we consume and during recovery in regard to what we are feeding ourselves to what we are feeding the wolf so which wolf are you feeding today it is essential that we remain vigilant about what our diet consists of physically mentally spiritually and emotionally because if we're doing the work if we're introspecting if we're sitting with the pain if we are integrating the lessons if we are journaling if we are in therapy if we are doing every single thing that we need to do in order to prove to ourselves that we are worthy that we are lovable that we are considering ourselves and our needs and we are serious about our recovery but we are consuming media we are listening to things we are watching videos that is reinforcing and is helping encourage this seed of codependency blossom inside of us and we are consuming things that is keeping us stuck in the cycle of love addiction keeping us stuck in these emotions that are perhaps even causing us to pick up the phone text that one person that's bad for us that's going to we think soothe these emotions that are caused by this media by these things that we're consuming that is not making us feel good and perpetuating the cycle that we are doing all these other things and trying so hard to get out of. We are taking three steps forward and one step back and we might not even realize it because we're not vigilant about what we are consuming mentally and spiritually and emotionally. It may be hard to at first really become aware and also at the same time change the things that we are consuming that may be holding us back. So if you're finding that difficult to remove things like songs that make you 
feel a certain way that may have you stuck in the past or stuck in cycles of emotions that don't make you feel good that you want to break out of or if there are certain movies that are causing you to live in a fantasy that you are subconsciously trying to recreate with your love life focus on maybe adding more things that make you feel good adding more content to your life that empowers you songs that elevate your vibration rather than bring it down so if it's too hard to start eliminating things that make you feel bad one of the most valuable lessons that came from my recovery in love addiction was really becoming aware of what I was consuming and whether it was actively encouraging my love addictive tendencies or discouraging them and whether it was empowering me or disempowering me. And if you're not sure right now exactly what's right for you, whether you prefer to start eliminating things that disempower you or whether you would rather start adding things that empower you and let the things that disempower you just naturally fall away. Just take it one day at a time and ask yourself, which wolf am I choosing to feed today? 